A podcast of the cinema. What do you? That, what's with the face? Sometimes that that music is it's really punching me in the face, and I think, oh my god, what's you going on? are the worst judge of this. I know, I know, but it sometimes it's. I think sometimes the music has a poltergeist and has given us a lot of itself, uh-huh. and then other times it's given us less of itself. Are you suggesting that our high-tech equipment is not perfectly calibrated? Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. Okay. It's not, it's not even a suggestion. It's a, it's a true situation. Hi. If you're joining us for the first time, that's Dave White. I'm Alonzo Duralde. We're film critics. This is our show. Welcome. I just got to listen. This is the... Maybe, well, we're going to try to get another one in before Monday, but. Um, there's a lot happening. There's. <laughs> uh, I don't know how long it's going to take for me to be ready to record a podcast again after next Monday. Right. Today is. Thursday, the sixteenth, yes. yes, of November. On Monday, the twentieth, I am having uh, my left hip replaced. I'm yes. having surgery at seven thirty in the morning on Monday morning. I have to be there at five thirty. I've been dealing with hip arthritis for about two years now, longer before I ever even knew what was going on. I was dealing with it. I just didn't know what what to call it. I didn't know why I was always in pain. <laughs> but then I learned. And now they're going to replace one of them. And then there's going to be another one coming like next spring. Yeah. They're going to replace one of them. And I have been given so many drugs. I have a re- I have a lifting recovery recliner set up in the living room. It is extremely ugly, and I have a little table next to it with all of my pills, <laughs> Grampy's medications. Yeah, I have become the old guy with the recliner and the little table <laughs> of pills next to it. Both are temporary situations. I understand this to be true. <laughs> oh, do I know it to be true? There was a bit of a hiccup this week where we thought I might get postponed. Yes. Because they found an EKG blip on me when they did my final uh, pre-op appointment. And they were like, oh, we don't like the look of this EKG. I'm like, what? (laughs) No, 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 (laughs) no. And my doctor looked right at me and goes, have you had a heart attack? And I go... Have I had a heart attack? Wouldn't I know? Would, would I know if I'd had a heart attack? Who who would tell me? 
if I'd had a heart attack and didn't know that I had a heart attack? Like, do they come in such teensy-tiny little packages that you can have one and not know it? So naturally, I'd call your brother, who was an orthopedic surgeon, mm-hmm. and I go, what's the deal with this? And he goes, oh yeah, it's called the silent MI. I was like, how am I? <laughs> There's a name? How am I 59 years old? And no one has ever spoken this out loud to me. Nobody in my life, in my sphere of of uh, of meeting human beings, in my entire life, has ever said, you know, once I had a heart attack and I didn't know it. Like, that would be a story that you would tell to people, Is this right? like, like when yeah. you chop up cauliflower and hide it in mac and cheese so kids won't know, <laughs> like, the secret heart attack? <laughs> so your brother goes... Yeah, yeah, you can totally not know your hat. You had one. I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> so this morning, bright and early, I had to go in for a cardiac stress test. They inject you with this chemical that races your heart up to a terrifying speed. As it was happening. You don't need much. As it was happening, the woman, there were two like nurses in the room. I said, I don't like this. (laughs) And she goes, it's just for a minute. It's just for a short time. I promise it's just for a short time. I said, I'm afraid. (laughs) And that wasn't a joke. I was genuinely afraid. I said, how safe is this? And she goes, it's fairly safe. Fairly? I said, that's what I said. I go, fairly? <laughs> Somebody tells you that at, a, at an amusement park, you don't get on. No, yeah, exactly. It's fairly safe. Fairly safe. Um, then they shot me full of radiation. Mm. They put a radioactive, uh, fantastic voyage Isotope. thing inside of me. And, that, and then they scanned me in a thing that was not like an MRI, but kind of like an MRI. Like you, I wasn't entombed in it. You know how it is? Was know. it made of paper like the one in After Last Season? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I went to the After Last Season hospital where everything was all made talking of, about printers. Everything was made of cardboard and, and there was no one who looked or acted like a real doctor. <laughs> Very harsh shadows on the wall. Yeah. Uh, so I got out of that. And then, like, three hours later, my doctor called me, and he goes, you were fine. You're fine. Heart's fine. Your heart's good. Don't worry about it. The the EKG, EKG was just a little blip. Meanwhile, from yesterday until around 1 p.m. this afternoon, I was having a nonstop panic attack, thinking, oh, no, they're going to postpone me. And then my other thought was, oh, no, I have a horrible heart, and and... And they might have to go through this whole process of trying to fix it before I ever even think about getting leg repla- leg replacement. Entire body replacement surgery is actually what I need at this point. Uh, no, before, I, and I was just like, every horrible worst case scenario was going through my head for the past 24 hours. And I was, as you know, I was real chill about it. And I was taking, oh, it, mm, I was yes. taking it real easy. Yeah, really? Were yeah. you concerned? I didn't even know. I was. I was. You wouldn't have even guessed that I was worried about anything. You were so attuned to my needs, <laughs> my doctor. That I didn't yeah, even. My doctor gets me on the phone this afternoon. He goes, 
I want you to stop worrying about your heart. <laughs> it's okay. Like he barely knows he me. He just met you. He barely knows me. <laughs> He's my new primary doctor. No. Like we've had two meetings. He goes, I want you to stop worrying about your heart because you don't have to worry about it. It's fine. You, you passed the test. Everything is functioning really well. You've gone through the process of getting yourself ready for surgery and you're good. And I was like, I'm going to cry now. <laughs> then I had a good nap. Good. A nap that was restorative. Oh, good. And made me feel like I was jump-starting my day all over again. But without chemicals injected into my veins to make my heart race. <laughs> like, how do people do drugs? Uh, how do people do the kinds of drugs that make them go fast. Uh, like, you got me. What are you, what are you thinking about? Like, I, I've never done them. And so I don't, and, and, and it's never been like, a, oh, you're bad for doing that. Like, just my whole life. I've just been, what's the appeal? I've been scared of them my whole life because I always think to myself, oh, if I go fast, I am constitutionally a tortoise. Yes. And if I go fast, I probably could die. Like, I would have that tiny little heart attack, only it would be a real big one. Uh, anyway, how do people do those drugs? How do people court that kind of heart rate and that kind of like... I just... the It's the appeal that escapes me. But you know. Well, I assume the appeal is let's party and have sex. Like, I guess that I would guess. be the appeal. Dance all night and then I'm going to write a screenplay. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's the... I don't know. People, listen, cocaine people, please write to linoleumpodcast at gmail.com and let us know. What other, what's worse than cocaine? What speeds you up higher than cocaine? Speed? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know what the amphetamine things do. Clap what if color, it's the dancing. What color pills are those in Valley of the Dolls? <laughs> Which ones make you sparkle? <laughs> Uh, anyway, there's going to be a podcast recorded after my surgery on Monday, but we don't know when it's going to be. We don't know uh, how it's going to sound. But hey, it's a holiday week, so it's going to be a. I'm figuring what we're going to do is you're going to move the card table over to that recovery recliner, and we're going to set up over there. I guess. I mean, it's not like I'm going to be at this table over here. No. Sitting down like a normal person. No. At least that's what they tell me. Now, will you be sitting up in the recliner ever or just always? Oh, I'm going to be in Remember repose. that old SCTV sketch with Perry Como lying on the floor? <laughs> okay. That's me. That's going to be me. <laughs> we'll put the mic would, on the floor next to Rick Moranis you. as Perry Como? Uh, yes. Is that who that was? Yes. And then he would lie down and He's sing. He's so relaxed. He's so relaxed. <laughs> He's singing. Now I got the recliner. I got the leg elevation pillow. I got my little table. I got all my pills. Got a little lamp on my table. Got a little luxury candle <laughs> on the table. I'm set. I'm put my books. I need some bottled water. So I don't have to walk over here and get... I, I don't want to have to snap my fingers or ring my belt to get you to get me a glass of water. I want to have my, don't little, you just. my little bottles of water. I mean, like, I do need a bell to, to summon you. Why didn't you get the recliner that has the refrigerator built in? <laughs> Do they make those? Oh, yeah. Really? Well, I don't know if they make no. it for the standing recliners, no, but they don't. like a lazy boy, they have no, those they one don't. that has a fridge. In they it. Yes. Have, there's no such thing. 
It is a true thing. You're going to show that to me on the internet after we record I will. this show. We do need to record this show, though. What am I, Isaac Asimov, we making to, things up? No, it's a real thing. Cinema. cinema is why people are listening. <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> They're not listening to hear me talk about my uh, surgery. Well, They're my fears and my hopes and my dreams. <laughs> Then I apologize for Y'all, the last, gave me for the oxy- last year of this they podcast. They gave me oxycodone, and I don't know what that's like. Am you know, I going to get all like hillbilly elegy with that? What's going to happen to me? It, it It's probably going to be like the time they gave me Vicodin after I had a root canal. And yeah. all it did to me was make me not suffer the agony of the pain of after a root canal. I suppose. It did not turn me into like Eminem or whatever. Eminem. Didn't he had a song about Vicodin? Maybe. Little Purple Pills. Oh, you're right. Is that, is Purple, is Vicodin? That was about Vicodin. Okay. (laughs) I forgot about that song. And you don't even know anything about hip hop. How did you know? Because somebody mashed it up with uh, Depeche Mode, Just Can't Get Enough. Okay. You and the mashups. It's a good mashup. No, it's not. I I haven't even heard it. I know it's not a good mashup. There's no such thing. There's like two good matches. Oh, you liar. Stop it. I'm telling you. Now you're just showing off for company. Nope. (laughs) I know what I know. Uh, You know, let's segue into cinema. Uh You know about the Marvels. I do. You went to see the Marvels. I did. I did not. And here's the stupid part about this. I I can't go to a movie theater right now because I'm quarantining myself for this GD surgery. So you went to the press screening yes. of the Marvels, and I wanted to go because I've seen the trailer now about 37 times <laughs> at various other screenings at AMC. And uh, each time I see the trailer, I go, you know, that looks real. I turn into my mom. That looks cute. Uh, <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> it is It is. It is goofy, and I get why people love it What's because it, about? it is and aggressively goofy. What's it about? Who's in it? Tell me the facts. First. Okay. Tell All me right. the facts. So the Marvels are Captain Marvel, who is Brie Larson. You saw that movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. Yes. Tiona Paris as uh, Monica Rambeau, who is the grown-up version of the kid in Captain Marvel. Hmm. Okay. Sorry for my water gulping. And her character featured prominently in WandaVision, which you did not watch. I did not. But you, of course, know Tiona Paris as Dawn, Dawn from, from Mad, Mad Men. Yeah. Exactly. Legendary. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then Ms. Marvel, uh, a.k.a. Kamala Khan, played by Iman Vellani, who was Ms. Marvel was a show on Disney Plus that you also did not watch, but I right. think you would actually enjoy. Okay. Um, and uh, so the premise here is basically the, the three of them they have separate superpowers, but they all sort of come from the same place. Okay. And when the villain finds this bangle, which is like the one that Ms. Marvel wears, they first gave her her powers. Is it called a bangle? They refer to it as a bangle, yes. Are the bangles in the movie? Sadly, no. Well, that's a wasted opportunity. Right? <laughs> you could have gotten Susanna Hoffs. You could have gotten all of them. They, yes. they would have all shown up. Name their quote. Meet their quote. Yeah. Let Mist- them sing a song, Hazy Shade of Winter, perhaps. Yes. We all love that. A different light, something. Yeah. You know what? Different light would have been perfect because they're, they're, all of their powers are light-based. <laughs> they are all they all have to do with like the, the electromagnetic spectrum. Okay. Anyway, so when bad person finds the bangle and starts using it, it messes up the marvels. And so every time they use their powers, they swap 
places. Okay. Yeah. So you have like Ms. Marvel out in the far flung universe. You have Monica Rambeau in uh, like working on a space station where Nick Fury is. Mm -hmm. And you have Ms. Marvel in her house in Queens. All right. And they're like, Void, you know, like like they're like, they're, they're they're zooming back and they're forth. zooming ba in and out of each other's like fights and stuff, which okay. is a fun thing. Yeah. So they have to sort of team up and figure out how to control it and stop the bad person and da da da. Uh, this is, I I I love what this movie is at times, and I wish it could have leaned into being that all the time. And what is it at times that you liked? At times, it is its own crazy thing that isn't the standard Marvel thing. Okay. So, like, there is, they, they go to a planet where everyone communicates by singing and dancing. Yeah. And you think, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a big number. Make it, give me, a, let's do a Bollywood parody. Kamala Khan absolutely is going to know, you know, that, that genre. Okay. Um, and then they, it's, and then they, they wrap it up really quickly. Okay. There is a scene where, do you remember the, the Flurkin, the alien cats from the, from Captain Marvel? Not at all. Captain Marvel winds up with this cat who looks like a kitty, but then right. like it opens its mouth and big tentacles come out and okay. like it'll devour. I, well, I mean, I saw it in the trailer, but that was in the earlier film too. Yes. That oh, was... I'm just, I forgot everything. Okay. Okay. Anyway, there's a big like set piece involving a bunch of Flurkins at the end of the movie that is hilarious. Okay. With one of the great needle drop choices of the year. Great. I'll leave it at that. And in those moments, you're like, yes, let's let's do something else. Let's do a right. Marvel superhero movie that doesn't have to like that hit. Gets, that gets wild. If it gets wild, exactly. Yeah. And, but you can just feel corporate coming in and being like, nope, stop that, stop that. You know, it was like uh, uh, Graham Chapman in the old like uh, Monty Python sketches. Yeah. And so you're left or with. Or they stop it to be like a regular Marvel Yeah, movie like let's go. Fight. Punch fight, more fight, people fight, in the fight, face fight. and okay, save the universe. Sure. Yeah. All right. So that I found really depressing because because <laughs> you get these you get a taste of something else and mm -hmm. they just don't let it be that. Okay. And they like they test screened it, which apparently they've never done before. And like Nia DaCosta, who directed um, Candyman, Candyman, and yeah. also that earlier movie with Tessa Thompson. We reviewed it. I forget what it's called. Uh, anyway, which one are you talking about? Now you're making me blank on the title. <laughs> Little, Little Woods. Little Woods. Little Woods. Little Woods. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's good too. Apparently, yeah. uh, like they 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 did a bunch of they did like reshoots and stuff. And Nia DaCosta was like, "Yeah, I'm doing this head of Gobbler movie with Tessa Thompson, so y'all just do whatever you want." <laughs> and so, so yeah, I I I I wish I could be like full throated enthusiastic about this movie right. because yeah. I, I hate that it's tanking. Oh, because is it? Of, it is. Okay. It's it's like it's doing the the worst opening weekend of a Marvel do movie. Do people it's hate be... it? Is it getting bad reviews? Do well, audiences hate it? It's how do the let's let's we need to check in. How are the guys? Oh, the guys. Are the guys upset? The guys. We need to make sure the guys stay yeah. happy. The guys who've been <laughs> mad at Brie Larson for years for reasons are like you know crowing what about. They, what this. are they mad at her? About? I don't what even know. Do? I don't know, and I don't want to know. Um, I'll tell you, the gays love this movie. Like they are my oh, all, okay. All of my social well, media gay, feeds are so like the gays like, are going uh, to see it, and bless you, gays, for doing that. All right. Um, 
Yeah, it's you know, I I I I wish I could be more enthusiastic about telling people to see it, but I mean, like, see it because it is fun and it well, is it has some crazy Plus moments. By Thanksgiving, or I suspect by Christmas, maybe we'll okay. see. Well, then I'll watch it. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I just it's it's you you can tell the movie that it wanted to be, and yeah. I wish they just made that movie. Yeah. Now here's another one that you saw that I didn't. Uh huh. I promise we're going to get to the movies that we both saw. But let's get this one out of the way in a real quick second. Okay. Because I didn't know this existed until the day you went to the press screening. And then, or do they send you a link? I don't even remember now. And and then you talked about it. And then no one else in, in my world talked about <laughs> it. I didn't know it existed the moment after you finished talking about it. <laughs> what? It's called What Happens Later. Oh, yeah. It is directed by, is it also written by? Co-written. Co-written by Meg Ryan and yes. directed by Meg Ryan, yes. starring Meg Ryan yes. and David Duchovny yes. as two people who talk in an airport. Is that correct? Basically. Okay, <laughs> go. What happens? Yeah, and, well, that's... And you... what's the problem? So they are exes. Oh, they're exes. They haven't Are seen they each other. rehashing their relationship while they're waiting for a plane? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, they they kind of... Well, honestly, I would watch this. They haven't... I love Meg Ryan. I, I, look, on paper, I'm for all of this. Um, I love Meg Ryan in Jane Campion's In the Cut. And I need all of you to not scoff at that. Go on. I've still never seen that. Yeah, that's basically it. They're exes. They run into each other in an airport. They're both snowed in. But it's the kind of thing where, remember in I'm So Excited, how Almodovar had to like drug the entire coach section so the movie could just be about the people in first class. And so it could make sense. Yes. Yeah. Somehow. It still didn't make any sense. Somehow. It is there's, the dumbest Almodovar movie. It is the dumbest Almodovar movie. But, but he had a good time making and it, I, I can tell. I had a good time watching it. Yes, yeah. for sure. Uh, this movie goes through like hoops to be like, why is no one else where they are ever in this airport? Like they spend almost the oh, entire movie by co- themselves. COVID movie. Kind of, co- yeah. COVID it, movie. It, would, it looks like it, it's yes. It's a COVID movie. And uh, when, you, when there's no one else around, COVID, COVID movie. movie. Also, like, yeah. and and the movie is, you know, look, it, it's dabbling a bit into magical realism in okay. that, like, the airport voice right. that's making announcements right. starts making announcements directly to them and sort of <laughs> commenting I on like the action. That. Yeah, no. I, Everything you're telling me so far does not bother me. Why what? is it? Why does this movie barely exist? And why do you hate it? Because I know you hate it. I, I don't hate it. All right. I just I right. I was disappointed by it. All right. It barely exists because it's just getting a weird release. I think, or it's getting released by a tiny company that okay. didn't really have the, cheap. You know. You know. When's this going to be on Disney Plus? Uh, <laughs> any minute now. Um, yeah. Why well, did I'm curious. I, I I love Meg Ryan. I'm curious. Here's the thing. I I look. You tell me. You have a movie that is two people talking in an airport. Right. I'm there. Okay. I love. Yeah, I, I love us snowed in. You. Let's forced into a conversation. Yep. Let's you know all of that stuff. Yep. Love it all. Yeah. But boy, you better bring the conversation. Oh, do they? And they don't. It's it, all of the. There's so many cliches about 
who they are and who they were and what they wanted and where it all went wrong. And I just like, I don't believe either of these characters. They just feel like constructs. Like this is just sort of not, and it's based on a play and I'm sure the play is probably not good either. Uh, but it's, it, it just, it all felt very clunky and contrived and kind of hacky at times. I will say Ryan and Duchovny are giving it all they've got. Uh-huh. They are, they've got a lot of chemistry and charisma and, you know, they're bringing that to it. And as a director, I think Ryan has a good eye for like staging this stuff. She makes this airport look cool. Right. And she finds ways to move them around the space so that it's not just, you're not just like trapped in a, you know, filmed play. Right. But yeah, I just, the stuff that came out of their mouths was such like, oh, are we really, you know, it, 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 it just, I did a lot of eye rolling that, that sadly took me out of the movie. Parrot, Parrot has a double feature with Maurice Pialat's We Won't Grow Old Together. <laughs> it's more like, and I like this movie better AKA than AKA one of the most harrowing relationship dramas I've ever seen. Yeah. These people are god-awful to each other. It reminded me more than once of, remember the part in Love the Coopers where it's all <sighs> Olivia, me to remember anything from o- Olivia Wilde and Jake Lacey in the airport? Nope. Okay. Well, nope. Here's what I remember about Love the Coopers. The dog narrating mm-hmm. and uh, who played? Marissa Tomei in the, cat, in the police car with, uh, no, with uh, no, the, the grandmother. Falcon. Who plays the grandmother? Oh, um, is it Lois? Uh, no, no, Lois it's a woman from Nebraska. I'm blanking on her name. Ah, anyway, I know who you mean. She there's a lovely moment in in Love the Coopers where she's asleep on a couch or on a, in a recliner. <laughs> this is what I'm, my that's going to be me next week. And she's <laughs> dreaming of when she was young and dancing. Oh uh, yeah, June Squibb. June Squibb. She's dreaming of when she was young and dancing uh, at like USO dances. That yeah, that is and it's just it. this perfect little moment. Um, and, uh, and otherwise I don't remember a thing about Love the Coopers. I, I, uh, I know you're super into it. I'm not super into it. I just uh, like it more than the most Blu-ray, people. So you're super into it. <laughs> I keep Mr. a, Christmas. I keep a collection I know of Christmas you do. movies. I know yeah. you do, but you don't keep a collection of the ones you don't like and want to watch again. You don't. <laughs> you send those right along. We don't have that Kirk Cameron movie. In the back, uh, no one, no one ever sent me the Kirk camera, well, you know, and, and I'm fine with you that. You loved it as a Christmas movie. We don't it. So, <laughs> yeah. all right, there is uh, a new. Uh, speaking of Christmas, this here's this here's a segue. There you I'm go. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, there is a Christmas movie. By the way, Anthony Mackie, don't at me. All right. Anyway. I, I won't at you. Uh, there's a Christmas movie. It's called It's a Wonderful Knife. Yes. It's a comedy slasher holiday film that takes the premise of it. It's a Wonderful Life and turns it sideways and turns it into a slasher movie. <laughs> Uh, it is playing in theaters right now. And yes. also... Uh, and it will be on Shutter in December, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, directed by 
Tyler McIntyre, written by Michael Kennedy. Now, which one of them wrote Freaky? Was I it believe Kennedy? it was Michael Kennedy. Okay. Anyway, I know that... Uh, yes. Yes, okay. So, oh, and he's a gay. Yes, he is. Which is why this cast is full of queer characters. Yes. The story is full of queer characters. Some of them are surprise yeah. queer characters. We won't spoil that. We will not. So um, there is uh, a place, a little town called Angel Falls, and there's a young teenage high school girl there. And one Christmas Eve, she gets chased around by a crazy psychotic slasher murderer. And she kills him. And then the very next year at Christmas, the whole town sort of is in denial about the way that the killer did their business. Yes. Because the killer did kill some people, some very important beloved people in town. Everybody else is trying to move on with their life. She's all traumatized still. And then she wishes... (laughs) That none of it had ever happened. That she'd never been born. That she'd never been born. Right. The George way, Bailey said The way George Bailey wishes he had never been born. So she was never born. And it turns out that the version of the town that exists without her is even worse than Pottersville at the end of <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. It is a husk of a place that is absolutely dominated in every single possible way by this film's version of Mr. Potter, uh, Justin Long, as a very Trumpy sort of real estate developer. Yeah. And then we go from there. And she can't get her life back until she does a couple of more murders. That's, all, that's as much of the plot as I want to give you because I I started this film in the first 15 minutes thinking, oh man, this is real cheap looking. This had this had no budget at all. Like they paid all their budget to Justin Long and, and, <laughs> and Joel McHale, who are the two names in the film. And and I thought that's gotta be that. And then it got its hooks in me because it is, in spite of the fact that it is cheap looking and doesn't look good at all, really, ever. Like that thing where they just make everything look really low light so they can hide. <laughs> yes. You know, and I, I forgave it that because as a you know lifelong fan of cheap, nasty exploitation slasher films, all of those movies were made for 35 cents. Right. And they all look like hell. Um, so... What I concentrated on was the sort of inventive ways that they played with and subverted It's a Wonderful Life. Mm. And they do in, a, in, in ways that are both clever and funny and also uh, sort of, if you think about it and take it seriously, pretty horrible. <laughs> so, Well, I, over the years I have seen like in... Like there was a there was a run of Howard the Duck that happened after the original Steve Gerber comics, yeah. 
where it was black and white and it was clearly aimed at adult readers. Yeah. And they do an It's a Wonderful Life story where Howard realizes that his never having been involved in the lives of people around him would actually have made their lives better. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like by the end, the ghost is like, all right, fine, I give up. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've seen, you know, sort of darker takes on this kind of story. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know that I like this as quite as much as you did, but it was, it's, it, it, it gets away with some fun ideas and some some memorable moments for sure. And like I said, there's a lot of a lot of queer characters uh, in it, and um, and so that makes it uh, part of uh, LGBTQIA plus cinema history now. So there, hmm. take the whole family <laughs> to see this cheapy slasher comedy. <laughs> You will not regret it unless you do, and then it's not my fault. Uh, a lot of holiday mayhem this year. There's a, another film coming to Shudder soon called The Sacrifice Game. Uh-huh. There is, of course, Eli Roth's long-awaited Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. which I look forward to us yeah. getting to see at some point. Well, we'll be carved. Uh, exactly. And uh, and then John Woo's Silent Night. Yeah. All the R-rated Christmas movies yes. that uh, Hallmark will never, ever <laughs> dream of making. Well, that's that's how you get into theaters. That's how you now. get them into theaters now. Yeah, uh, let's keep on the horror uh, train for a minute. Okay, I finally got a chance to address some of my uh, uh, missed films of 2023, mm-hmm. and I streamed The Blackening, which came ah, out in June. Yeah, and it's from uh, Tim Story. Uh, it stars. A large ensemble, Yvonne Orji, Jay Farrow, Cinqua Walls, Antoinette Robinson, Dwayne Perkins, X Mayo, uh, Melvin Gregg, Jermaine Fowler, Grace Byers. They are a group of friends who are, this, this is the thing that I laughed at during the first like 10 minutes. They keep calling it a cabin in the woods just so they can say the words cabin, cabin in, in the, the woods. woods. <laughs> and it is the most John Legend verbo <laughs> luxury place um, and but everyone keeps saying no we're here at this cabin in the woods and I'm like this is not a cabin in the woods there's no evil dead anything going on here well I mean knock at the cabin was you know it was nice. also a luxury cabin yeah. in the woods yeah we have to stop calling them cabins because <laughs> they're they're beautiful well appointed <laughs> homes that happen to be second places in, in the woods. Yes, our our summer home in the in the, in the forest, <laughs> you know, um, in the glen. So uh, they all go there to celebrate Juneteenth and to have a reunion of this college reunion. And there's a game room in the house, and they discover a game, a Jumanji style game, uh, called the Blackening, which has. In the center of the board, a Sambo character that talks. And so every time anyone new in the film encounters the board game, they all go, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And by playing the game, they embark on what is basically a comedy version of Saw, (laughs) where they have to make horrible choices and the game makes them sacrifice the least black person in the room, but but they have to decide who's the blackest. And if they don't, then the the, the, the least black person uh, will be sacrificed. 
this leads to lots and lots of funny conversations. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a fun movie. Yeah. Um, that is never frightening at all. No. Ever. And you, it's a comedy. And you know, uh, if you've ever seen a movie, <laughs> you'll kind of know who's behind who's all this. Who's behind all this? Uh, fairly quickly. Um, and that is not important at all. Uh, it is uh, full of in-jokes about black pop culture and uh, American black history that, you know, if you don't know any of these things, you will learn something. <laughs> and uh, who, who, would, who would have guessed that a horror comedy would, you know, <laughs> teach you about history? Uh, Dwayne Perkins, who was very funny in the movie, co-wrote with Tracy Oliver. And it's a very funny script. Yeah. Uh, just like the barrage stuff. And it was the kind of thing where... I need to watch it again, like with Google handy, because I didn't know all yeah. the things they were talking about. And yeah. It's like watching Gilmore Girls. You need to like, oh yeah, for sure. You need some footnotes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I uh, only could pick one out of there was a, one of the questions that the game throws at them is name all the black actors who ever appeared on Friends. <laughs> And the only one I could think of was Gabrielle Union. <laughs> and and apparently there were five others. Who yeah, I, I think Aisha Tyler. Was Aisha Tyler's yeah. one of them, yeah. Um, so the, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just a fun, it's, it's a fun movie that is not frightening at all. No. And barely, I mean, there's violence and there's gory violence, yeah. but it's not, you know, it's not like Saw where you're f really freaking out yeah. about, who's getting what done to them. The, the, the horror gives it a shape, but the intent is to, to be a, yeah. a cultural satire. Basically. So yeah, it came out in, it came out in, uh, uh, June. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I don't know how I missed it this summer. Cause I was in movie theaters this summer, but it wasn't in theaters for very long. It I wasn't around for very long, but apparently it was so low budget that they made their money. Oh, back, good. You know, so I'm, I'm glad it did. Oh, well. good. Good, good, good. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at the budget here right now. $5 million. That's nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's more than It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Unless they paid Justin Long and, and uh, uh, Joel McHale. What's his face? $5 million each, and then had to make the rest of the movie with like what they were going to plan on lunch. <laughs> so, okay. Let's move into the, uh, the two. We got two horror movies. And two heist movies yeah. to talk about. This uh, one... Neither of which is really a heist movie. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, another catching up from earlier in the year uh, is a French film called The Innocent. and Which it, Janice Contemporaries just released on Blu-ray. They did, which is why we can now tell you about it. Yeah. Janice Contemporaries, by the way, it's a sort of offshoot from Criterion Collection. Yeah. And they are putting out, like, really cool some stuff. of the best stuff of recent years. Like, yeah. at the same time they put out The Innocent, they also put out EO and No Bears, both of which were on my top ten list last yep. year. And they, this month, are putting out a film that's probably going to be on my top ten film, top ten list this year, The Darden Brothers, Tori and Lokita. Mm -hmm. So, let's talk about the Cesar Awards for just a moment. <laughs> In France, they have their own Academy Awards. Yes. 
And they're called the Cesar Awards. And very much like the American Academy Awards, movie, movie crowd pleasers really go over well. Yeah. Who is the only American to win a Cesar Acting Award? Uh, Kristen Stewart? Yes. I knew that. In Clouds of Sils Maria. Yeah. yeah. So um, this film led last year's Cesar nominations with 11 nominations. (laughs) And after you watch it, you'll understand why. It is directed by uh, uh, and co-written by Louis Garrel. Who also stars. Who is one of France's biggest movie stars. Yeah. Um, He's also a Nepo baby. (laughs) I will... I will perform a saw-like torture on you if I ever hear you say Nepo Baby again. I only I, say it because I know how much you hate it. I never use that phrase. It drives otherwise. me nuts. It drives me insane. Uh, American audiences are probably most familiar with M- Monsieur Garel the Younger um, from uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's uh, The Dreamers. The Dreamers. Yeah. Uh, he's been in a couple American films. Uh, definitely The Dreamers was the big, mm. big one. But he, he is he one of those people who has like one scene in Speed Racer? Maybe <laughs> he sticks pretty close to France, uh, and he comes from you know uh, French filmmaking uh, uh, royalty in a way. Uh, Philippe Garel is his father, who has he's quite old now. He's built his entire uh, life around you know quiet relationship dramas. Mm. Uh, sort of the second wave of the French New Wave. Um, and, you know, people don't throw in his name when they talk about the French New Wave, but he comes from that tradition. And Louis Garel is a oh. different kind of filmmaker. I forgot. He's in Little Women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Louis Garel is a different kind of filmmaker yes. than Philippe Garel. Uh, he likes to play around with films. He likes to play around with with tropes and with you know traditions, and so there is a tradition of the French heist film, and it is a a, a glorious one. Yeah, Rififi, Rififi, among others. And so this is a heist comedy about a young man. Well, he's not that young. He's about 40. <laughs> Played by uh, Louis Garel. He's a bit of a man-child. Whose though. mother, he's a discontented person. And he's also a widower. And that's one of the reasons why he True. is, uh, sort of has a dour, as, dour uh, perspective on the world. His mother is an actress. And she teaches acting and drama in a local prison. However... She keeps falling for the prisoners <laughs> and <laughs> has married more than one and has and has been with a few of them and married and is now marrying one of them, uh, which causes Monsieur Garel to say, it's not a prison. It's a dating service. <laughs> so his new stepfather, played by uh, Roshdi Zem, uh, mom is played by uh, Anouv Greenberg. His new stepfather is a very sort of like smooth guy. And you don't really know what his angle is. You don't know if he's really sincere about the mom, if he, 
you know, sincere about going straight, sincere about like not being a crime person anymore because he was a heist guy. Yeah. Uh, before he went in. Recidivism. Huh? Right. Right. Turns out that mom's new husband is planning a heist. <laughs> and, and as Louis Garrel and his best friend, uh, played by the effervescent <laughs> Noemi Merlon from yes. Diary from Portrait of a Lady on Fire. In a in a role that if you've only seen her in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you will watch this and go, Oh my God. You're a 21st century person. You're, yeah. Like this is this is her trying to be in bringing up baby. Like <laughs> this is her oh, a winning a Cesar Award by the way mm. for her performance Best Supporting Actress. She is the the spark of life in this movie. She's the one whose expression is always a heist. You say, let's go, let's <laughs> do it. Like and. She convinces him, she convinces Louis Garrel to participate in, and this is my favorite thing, it's a caviar heist. Yes. <laughs> also, like, this movie has that rom-com thing of, like, within the first 30 seconds, you know that they're supposed to be together. And yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, and, and they're like, oh, they're friends, and they, like, bust each other's shops, and she talks about dating guys on apps. You're like, just, just... Just get together. Please. Right? Would you two please keys? Keys. Please keys. Um, but here's what I think is really... First of all, it's delightful. Uh, it is... It's fun char- and twisty. Charming. It has twists. It has uh, heist tension <laughs> that you aren't expecting it to have at all. And uh, it's a commentary about acting. That's the other thing. <laughs> it, is, it, is a, it is a story about... And this is sort of like the, the more grounded, important part of the, the film. Who are you when you're talking to people? Who are you when you're presenting something to somebody? Who are you when you're with one person and not another? If you're an actor, basically you're being paid to lie. If you're an actor who has learned to be an actor in prison... Will you use these techniques to get away with more on the cr- person who with, taught him to with you. more crimes? And will you use them against maybe someone you love? <laughs> what will you discover about your own capacity to do anything by lying and assuming a role and assuming, you know, a new persona for a day or a week? Like, I'm thinking of the scene in the restaurant where Noemi Merlin and Louis Garrel are pretending to be a fighting couple. Yes. And what they're learning about each other in the process of practicing the rehearsal for yeah. this through the rehearsal. And they're being coached by the guy committing <laughs> by the, the stepfather of the heist guy. And by one of his cronies who's like, Yeah, I really believed that. <laughs> <laughs> um so if you haven't heard of this, uh, it's called The Innocent. Yeah. And I I think it's a great deal of fun. It is charming. It's well-made. It's the kind of crowd-pleaser that 
wins Cesar Awards, yeah. <laughs> which is not a slam on the movie. It's just sort of like it's what you could expect for the Cesar Awards to be like, oh, well, we're not going to get, we're not, it's not going to get too heady in right. here, you know. Uh, but you know, you've got a man who, who knows the subjects he's talking about. Oh yeah, by the way, it's autobiographical as well, <laughs> because after leaving Philippe Garel, Louis Garel's mother taught acting in a prison and married a prisoner. <laughs> that really happened. I saw him do a Q&A on YouTube, and he's like, okay, so my mother, <laughs> she really did this? <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Also a lot of fun, but not the kind of film that will ever win a Cesar Award, even though it's, I mean... Whatever, what, what are they? What are they called in Argentina? What are the Argentina film awards? Know. This is an Argentine film. It is called Spain has the Goyas, Canada has the genies. It is but, called the Delinquents. And yes. it is from Rodrigo Moreno. It is the Aust- the Australian, the Argentine entry for the Oscars this year, and it is stunning mm. and perplexing, <laughs> but only if. You won't give yourself to it. It is the story of a man named Moran. And he works in a bank. And he's a nobody. And he knows he's a nobody. And he knows that his life is going nowhere. And he thinks to himself, what if I steal just enough money to live on for the rest of my life? A nice, modest life, much like the life I live now. But then I don't have to go to work. I'll I'll steal a bunch of Argentine money that I'll, that I'll give back, and then a bunch of U.S. dollars that, that I, I won't, won't give, give back. back. And so he just—is it worth—is it worth spending three years in prison to not yeah. spend twenty-five he, more years in this? He awful calculates job. that the prison sentence is going to be six years. He'll be three, three and a half with good behavior, and then he'll get out. And for the price of that, he never has to have a job again. <laughs> And here's where he screws it up a little bit. He, he hits a coworker up to collaborate, but he does so after he's committed the robbery. Yeah. <laughs> and the poor dude that he hits up is a man named Roman. Roman. So you've got Moran and Roman. And poor Roman is like, wait, what? Me? No. <laughs> Uh, oh, and then and the guy's like, "Well, you're gonna do it, well, or gonna do I'm it. gonna tell people you were my accomplice." Yes, yeah, he he basically tells him, "You're in, or you're in prison with me." So pick one, get ready, hide this money for three years, and what follows, and here's the kicker, and it might it might make you feel a little skittish about going in. What follows is three hours and ten minutes. <laughs> Of you don't know what's going to happen next, and sometimes you don't know why what's happening is happening. It is about a heist in the way that Celine and Julie go boating is about taking a boat ride. <laughs> a, in other words, it is not about a heist. Yeah, the heist is over in the blink of an eye, in like ten in minutes. The first ten minutes of the film. There's no music. There's a, he literally just walks in, does it, walks out. Yeah. A, there's no like you know. He's not, he's not climbing down a wall in the, the middle of the night. The only delight know? that you see in this heist is the look on his face as he's walking down the street 
after he commits it because his smile is just growing and he's got this excited look on his face and he's just looking around at everybody like guess what I just did <laughs> the bank turns to chaos a collective punishment is employed from the from the top down everybody is a suspect everybody is in trouble everybody is met with very punitive measures and they're tr- meanwhile the bank is trying to, is keeping it all secret because they don't want to like have people not be confident in their ability to right. hang on to things. So yeah, the the, the cops are, are barely involved. Yeah. It's really more about the lady from the bank coming in and making everyone's lives miserable. And then we move into the countryside where there are people making a film. And the guy making a film is named Ramon. <laughs> and the two women who are his, helping him. his girlfriend is named Morna, and his Her sister's, sister's name is Norma. Norma. <laughs> Meanwhile, the the concept of duality is peppered throughout this entire film. There is an actor who plays two roles. I'm not going to spoil it any more than that, because those two roles that he plays are very important to the locations that he plays those roles in. It is a film about anxiety and this desire to be free and what that means. And what do you do with it when you've got it? (laughs) And do you screw it up? And do you ever get it really? And are the consequences worth it? When you make a big decision that may have turned out to be the wrong decision? Or when you allow yourself to be swept away by somebody who decides that you're going to be swept away. It is three and a half hours. Three and a half. It's not Killers of the Flower Moon long. It's three hours and ten minutes of delightful, odd curiosity. (laughs) Again, you don't know where you're going. You don't know exactly why until it's over. And you'll be thinking about it for a week after. Afterwards. Yeah, I mean, like it, it is it's straightforward storytelling, but it, in, in the way that it just kind of. Yeah, it's not difficult or confusing no. to know to follow what's happening on screen. It's just sneaky. <laughs> it's just. Yes, exactly. It's just a sort of film where you're thinking. I don't know why anyone is behaving this way <laughs> or doing the things they're doing. And then eventually the film will catch you up and you're like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> the nature of existence is examined. Let's call it that. Sure. Yes. That is exactly what this is. What is your life going to be? And how are you going to be it? And how bad are you going to be at predicting anything? <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. It's really great. And I, I, I hope that if it's playing at an art house near you, that you'll give yourself a full afternoon to just go sit there and watch it. Um, if it is not, it will be streaming and available soon enough because it is a little film yeah. and Argentina is putting their weight behind it for the Academy Awards. So they will try to get it out to as many people as possible, I know. And uh, like Killers of the Flower Moon, it does not have an intermission. However, it does have an end of part one and a beginning of part two. So if you like run out and run back, (laughs) you won't miss anything too, you know. Uh, Allow yourself to be enveloped 
in the mm. meanderings yes. of this film. It is the kind of movie where things that seem like they aren't important turn up important later. We, you know, had to watch it on a, on a press screening link. And one of the things I told Alonzo before he sat down was, do not touch your phone <laughs> while you're watching this. Not once. <clears throat> because details in this film really matter. Yeah. Things you think are just throwaway details that don't make any sense as to why they put it in the movie, <coughs> it matters. Yes. All right. And, and and in that way, it is like Celine and Julie go boating. Yes. And that you spend half the movie going... compared to the Celine and Julie you go boating. You spend half the movie going, what's even going on here? And then the other half going, oh. <laughs> yeah. I love, love, love this. So it's called The Delinquents. You should watch it. And now we're done with this podcast. Yes. I hope we can get another one cranked out before Monday morning. Uh, that's the plan. Well, and uh, if not, I'll see you on the other side of my new titanium, <coughs> my new titanium hip. Woo! Well, we'll do our best. We'll see what happens. Uh, thanks for listening. Real quick reminder: you can catch me on my other shows, Breakfast All Day on YouTube and as a podcast with Christy Lemire, uh, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, and Deck the Hallmark. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, it's. Uh, mid-November and maybe you're thinking about Christmas gifts or Christmas reference books may I recommend have yourself a movie little Christmas and I'll be home for Christmas movies you should have both of those yes Alonzo Durrell they wrote them so you know co-wrote the latter uh and uh you know they made a podcast of chaos and you organized their material (laughs) (laughs) I had a great time doing it yes uh, you can uh, subscribe to the show for free at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review there, and we will read it on the show. You can also leave us positive feedback in the many places that we stream, including uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio, um, uh, Google Play and Amazon Music and CastBox and Podbean. Um, you can drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at linoleumcast on uh, Blue Sky, Instagram, Facebook. Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. See what he's up to at bleu.bandcamp.com. And uh, we will see y'all when we see you. Until then. I welcome all post-surgery visitors who are local, especially if you are bringing me food, food treats. Goodbye.